number two of the Bill Michael Show. Great that you're on board on this Friday. Rivalry week culminating. Conference championships begin tonight. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Hey, I want to remind you, uh, tonight it kind of begins. Uh, this is that uh, weekend that marks the one-year anniversary for the uh, the Christmas parade tragedy that took place in Waukesha. They've got to the tree lighting tonight. Uh, they've got uh, a lantern stroll and caroling this evening. Uh, the walk of lights and lighting ceremony later this evening. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of road closures downtown and such. So, uh, one, I encourage you to go shop small businesses, support a lot of those small businesses, but uh, the Christmas parade is going to be down there this Sunday. And if we weren't in Chicago, we'd be down there. Uh, we'd do our show down there. But we're going to be in Chicago this weekend. But if you are, uh, if you're uh, looking for something to do, you want to get in the holiday spirit, and you want to support that community after what went on there last year, and obviously the long trials and tribulations of that trial uh, this past year, uh, you want to you want to get down there and help them out. Uh, do it uh, down on Broadway and Main Street and such, all in that area. So looking forward to that coming up later on this evening. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. How big is this game? Now, we asked this a little bit earlier, okay? Threw it out there. I just, how big is this thing? Is it is, is a good deal? And uh, this is from Dennis. Dennis says, the uh, the game itself is not that big. It doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things when it comes to wins and losses this season. It's big in the rivalry. It's big for us fans to pound our chest over the other. And it's big for my brother-in-law and I who bet on it each and every time. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean much. It's two bad football teams going against one another, trying to get bragging rights of who doesn't at least suck the worst. That's it. Let's not overplay it. So. <laughs> All right. I. You know what? I, you got me on that one. I can't, uh, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't argue with that. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> 877-867-1670. You want to fire us up? Do it. Give us a call. Phone line's wide open right now. You can find us over on Twitter at Bill underscore Michaels or at Ben Z Kenny as well. Follow us there. And uh, you can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch TV, and watch the program. All over, I, I like it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm fine with just the rivalry aspect of it. You know, um, Brett says I'm more energized for uh, UW and that school in Milwaukee than Chicago and Green Bay. Yeah, you got the big one coming up between Marquette and UW coming up this weekend uh, at the Pfizer Forum. Early, somebody said that the uh, Bears have been around longer than the Packers. What the hell? That's from Mike. Um, who was the early, the early, uh, the the first franchise? Was it the pack? I think it was. Wasn't it the Bears or was it the Packers? The Acme Packers from years gone by. That's a that's a great question. I I I know that. Put it this way: I know that the Packers were around, and the Bears were a rival. And early on, when when Papa Bear got wind that the Packers could possibly fold because of money troubles. They loaned the Packers uh, $100,000 to keep them around. And that kept that team sustainable because he knew what the value of that rivalry of this area was when it came to football. I mean, he could have let them fail. 
He could have let him go by the wayside. And then who knows? Maybe everybody in the state of Wisconsin, maybe we're split between Vikings fans and, and Bears fans. But he knew the value of keeping that rivalry around. So he ended up uh, loaning the Packers $100,000 to keep them afloat. And it's obviously paid off because of the rivalry and such. But I, I, that's a great question. I, I should know this, and I don't. Not off the top of my head. Because I think the, if I'm not mistaken now, I think the Packers as a football team were around a long time. But as far as NFL teams go, I think the Packers came into the NFL after the Bears did. Correct? Am I, am I, Ben, do you, you got any historical uh, Google on that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can dip into Google. I was going to say, you can look into that real quick. My life experience could could go as far as to tell you, but I'll Google it. <laughs> okay. I believe that the Packers, as a football franchise, were around longer, but the Bears have been in the NFL longer, if I'm not mistaken. So, but I I don't want to I don't want to say for sure and then have people go. No, you're a moron. The, but I believe that. Go ahead. Packers were established in 1919. Their first season in the NFL was 1921. The Bears were established in 1920, but started in the NFL in 1920. So you are correct. There you go. Okay. So, okay. all right. I thought that's what it was, but I wasn't sure, and I didn't. There are times where I'm like, nope, that's it. And people are like, no, you didn't do your research. You're an idiot. And sometimes you get hit with stuff. You're just trying to figure it out off the top of your head. So there you have it. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free. Let's go to Wayne listening to us in Minnesota. Wayne, how are you doing today? What's going on? Hey, Bill. Um, some, some of your question about the Packers. Uh, sure. I guess I'm not, I don't know, kind of the way the season's gone. I'm not too into it. I guess I care more if Justin Fields plays and he runs for 300 yards, then Barry should be showing the door at halftime, because I got to imagine Fields will have 200 yards by then. Um, but my main question or comment uh, that I haven't called all week about was back to uh, Chris McIntosh press conference with Luke Fickle. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I haven't heard you you talk about it, so maybe you have, and I just wasn't able to be listening to the radio at the time. Um, but did you catch? When he talked about uh, during the pandemic, they realized that uh, football is vitally important to the 800 student athletes or the university entirely. Yes. Um, I personally, I feel as though that's when they realized this might have been the best thing that happened from the pandemic, uh, sports wise, is that. The university realized, hey, we actually have to do something proactive with this program and not just stay in our comfort zone. Um, so we have to go out and get somebody that is going to put us over the top or were we perceived over the top. Um, so we're, we're competitive, uh, that we're not just there, thanks for the check, have a mm-hmm. good day. Um, the other thing with this move that McIntosh did, let's spin it to the basketball program. Do you think that puts, uh, Greg guard on notice that he needs to 
be on top of his game the entire time, or he might be showing the door real fast, like. Um, I no, I think that anytime you don't have success, you have to ask yourself why. And I, I re- and maybe the recruiting department for the basketball program has been better or ahead of the recruiting department for the football program. I, I mean, I, I don't specifically know, but I know that, uh, you know, I mean, Bob Huggins told me years ago when we were talking about graduation rates and kids liking you and everything, Bob said, I get paid to win basketball games, and when I don't, I know my job's on the line. I'm sure Greg Gard feels that too, especially following a legend like Bo Ryan. So he knows that he's got to keep the program in high regard, and if he doesn't, then he probably is going to be shown the door. I, I, I don't think there's any coach that looks at it that says, I can have two and three years of lack of success, and I'm going to be able to keep my job. doesn't matter where you're at. It just doesn't happen unless you're trying to build something that was nothing from the ground up and you've shown progress each, each and every year. At Wisconsin, you're expected to win. So to answer your question, yes, I'm sure Greg Gard looks at it that way. Yeah, make no mistake about it. I'm not calling for Greg Gard's job like a lot of people have. Um, I'm look, I look at what he's done with what he's had, and I'm okay with it. I would like to see more. I think he's done a terrible job because he has gotten quite a bit, just like Bo Ryan did and Dick Bennett before him. They've gotten a lot with very little. So would it be nice to get those four- and five-star recruits? Absolutely. But, I mean, it is what it is at this point. Right. So. Yep. Nope, I would agree right. with that, man. Appreciate it. He drops off. You get on board. 877-867-1670. 877-867-167. It's a good point. I mean, you, you, Chris McIntosh, during the pandemic, they realized, because obviously when you're not getting that revenue, that income, you realize how much money you rely upon whether it's in the athletic department, educational side, camp development or campus development, whatever it happens to be, how much you rely upon sports. And so, you, and, and the other thing, remember, coming out of the pandemic when they did let some guys, some people go and they didn't really rebuild that recruiting department, also it, you realize coming out of you know COVID, like, wow, everybody else you know, kind of excelled and bolstered certain things to come out of this strong. There was an, Years ago, I go back to this all the time, there was a study out of the Harvard Business Journal, and Harvard did a study of businesses during tough times. And it's the businesses that uh, had cut payroll, that downsized, that you know, kind of cut back on production, and that really you know, didn't do it wisely, just cut, 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 cut to save money. They didn't survive. Or they really, really struggled coming out of a downturn. It's the it's the companies that actually kept a happy employment base that excelled in in bolstering things for productivity. Whether it was assembly lines, whether it was different machining op- opportunities, whether it was building their their support staff, what have you. It was when you took advantage of the downtime to say we're going to make ourselves better coming out of this. Those are the ones that really own the market. I think I, I think when the Badgers, they lost uh, the recruiting department to Michigan State and they kept it small. And it, during COVID, it was like, ah, eh, we don't need a lot of people. We're going to keep it really, you know, low key rather than expanding it and saying, OK, when we hit the ground running, you got this, you got this, you got this. Start honing those skills and start re- getting ready to dive into this possibility of this NIL transfer portals. All Let's do that. They didn't do that. 
They scaled back. And meanwhile, you got everybody else racing past you. So I think that was part of the realization coming out of COVID also that just because you couldn't get out and see people face-to-face and couldn't do certain things didn't mean you just cut cut the money. You, and that's the other thing. When you're talking about institutions like Wisconsin and big ones, institutions like Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, these bigger – Iowa, Minnesota, these bigger institutions, it's not like you're hurting for money. You know, you're not getting the gate. You're not getting certain advertising things, and but you're still getting your television dollars. You're still getting certain things along the way. You, you're not you're not hurting for money. Don't fool anybody by going, oh, you, we got a budget. Oh, my goodness. Well, we, no, stop. You're bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars because of sports, specifically in the football realm. Don't tell anybody you're hurting for money and, well, we can't compete because we're small market. That's crap. We all know crap. So I, I think that was a realization coming out of COVID. Like, nah, we... We should have been setting ourselves up to hit the ground running rather than scaling back. And I think that was also something that Chris McIntosh kind of alluded to in that presser. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. I got John and Scott and everybody on hold. Stay tuned. I promise we'll get to you right after this on The Bill Michael Show. This is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good stuff. Uh, don't forget about our friends at Sloppy Joe's Smoke on the Water this weekend. They're going to have full watch parties at both places and uh, really good breakfasts out at Sloppy Joe's. On Hubertus, in Hubertus, good old-fashioned Wisconsin bar. Fish fry tonight at both places, for that matter. But uh, fish fry going on tonight. Get it, uh, they got really good Bloody Marys out there, too. Really good Bloody Marys. That is uh, Sloppy Joe's in Hubertus, on Hubertus, and, and then there's Smoke on the Water on Okachi Lake. Either place you can't go wrong. Same owners, uh, Joe and Ellen Hennis, fantastic people. Stop in. Tell them we said hi. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, Matt LaPay, the voice of the Wisconsin Badgers, is going to be joining us. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Luke Fickle and uh, the football program as we move forward. And we'll get a little bit of a, a look ahead to, uh, obviously, tomorrow's contest between Marquette and UW. So we'll, we'll look at that as well. 877-867-1670. Let's go back to the phone calls. Talk to John listening to us in Atlanta. John, welcome to the program, man. What's going on? Hey, Bill. Hey, thanks for having me on. I just had, I had, kind of have a question for you, and this is uh, along the lines of the defensive situation in Green Bay right now. So does, do you think organizationally they look back at all? I mean, look at the um, the McCarthy Capers years. I mean, I don't know how you felt, but I think most fans felt that Capers hung on for an extra three to five years, and that might have mm-hmm. been because of the Super Bowl. But, I mean, you know, the, the you know, as fans, it was just horrible getting slammed by Kaepernick for three years. I mean, they were setting, you know, he was setting records on us as far as running the ball. Um, and those are those are tough as fans. And then you get you know you're getting boat raced. And then any big game during those later Capers years, you're getting boat raced and dishumiliated. Um, I know organizationally they still I'm sure look at themselves as successful, even though they got boat raced in big games. Um, I guess the question is, do you think organizationally they look back at that as okay that that was a time period where maybe possibly some loyalties kept somebody around longer than they should have. And meanwhile, you know, 
shaved off three three years of Rogers' career as far as getting to a bowl. Yeah. And let's yep. not go down that road again. Or do you think it's like, you know, let this regime, you know, whether it be Goody and LaFleur and let them let them make their own decisions. It is what it is. I just wonder if organizations they look at the past or are they still just looking at themselves, even even though this is kind of a nasty year, they're still successful in their own ways. Do they not look at the past as far as wasted years or waste of time? I don't know. Just the question. Oh, I, absolutely. Um, I, I think uh, absolutely. When, when you appreciate the phone call, that, that's a great question. I think when you look at the Packers and the way they view things, I mean, I'd go all the way. I'd go further back than that. I, to be honest with you, I'd go further back than that. I'd go back to when, you know, uh, Michael Vick came in and ran all over him. The first time that the team had ever lost in temperatures below 32 degrees. You know, I, that, I'd go back to that because we couldn't believe it. We watched that team just get completely run over in that game. They couldn't contain anybody. They couldn't stop anybody. Go to the game in which uh, they were running the ball against them and passing the ball against them almost at will when the Giants had come to town in an NFC Championship game. You go to Colin Kaepernick and what he did to him, Mostert and what he did to him. You know, absolutely. You look at that and you go, it's just wasted opportunities. You go back to that San Francisco game. And the defense played well. The offense played pretty well. But it was, you know, Micah Hyde not knowhere to be, uh, you know, on a, on a two-point conversion. You got Morgan Burnett being told to go down by Julius Peppers. You know, Bostic going up for a, an onside kick had no business trying to catch the, ball, catch the ball. I mean, there's so many different things that you can look at and go, wow, it, you know, there, there, was, there was opportunities there. And it just all fell by the wayside. You know, um, I, I I completely I completely agree with you that this you know you look back on franchise opportunities if you if you think now going to your question are there loyalties there absolutely because you look at a guy and you go you know what uh, if you've got a track record of two three four years of success and you have one bad year yeah you know what you have a bad year you know and then you got to take each year into consideration because is it. Because of injury. Did you have mass amounts of injury and you just didn't have anybody left? Okay? You can only do so much. That's one. Uh, did the, 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 the talent that the general manager gave you to work with, suppose he just put more and more and more assets into the offensive side of the football and the defense continued to decline, and yet you got the most out of those guys? Okay. Then maybe you, you did have a pretty good coaching job, even though the record may not indicate it. But if you're just getting boat raced, as you said, and getting run on, and I still, to this day, I, I, I cannot fathom. You go back to 2010, 2011, okay? That's probably the last time, you know, well, you know what? I, I don't want to say that because you, you go back a few years ago uh, with Matt LaFleur, um, and what was it, 2020? You had a pretty good defense. Yeah, the Smith brothers, they were going at it, you know, both sides. You had decent middle linebacking. You had decent up front. You know, it wasn't great, but you were getting to the football. You were having fun. Remember they were doing the, the, the train, you know, after turnovers. And, you know, it just it was, a, it was a good defensive time in Green Bay. But you haven't had that punch you in the mouth, get after your ass, throw the quarterback to the ground, stuff the run like nobody's business since probably 96, 96, 97. It's the last time that you've had that staunch of a defense, in my opinion. That's probably it. And I, I know, I get it. It's all over the league. It's you know, coaches talk about it all the time. Well, we only have so many days we can hit. Where there's only so many things we can work on. Damn it! I, I don't know 
how to do it, or I'd probably be one hell of a, 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 a you know defensive coordinator. But there has to be a way to instill the will of tenacity and hitting into players. There has to be. Because you see other teams do it. You know? Injuries become such a big part of the game. You don't want guys to get hurt. You're trying to teach them different ways to hit and keep your head to the side and your shoulder and this and that. And you, you, you know, It's become a softer, more stylish game than it has been a more physical game. I understand that. But... Man, you just you know, you you don't you don't get consistency anymore. You don't have those dominating defenses anymore, you know? Not like you once had. Just you just don't. It's it's been a while, man. San Francisco's got a hell of a, de- a defense. Philadelphia's got a hell of a defense. They cover their fundamental um, you know, all of that. And, and when it comes to, you know, stuff in the run, San Francisco, San Francisco's getting giving up less than 80 yards on the ground a game. It's because they're winning in the trenches consistently. Baltimore's been pretty good. Tennessee, we talked about that a, a while back. Tennessee is good. Now, without Aaron Donald, the, the Rams are going to look dramatically different. He's he's pretty much done. But, you know, they, they're also a team that gives up less than 100 yards per game. I really love what the Jets do. Even though the Jets give up about, I think the last time I checked, it was like 110 yards a game, something like that. But I love the Jets in the trenches. But, man, I just you just don't see that, that thumping, kick-your-ass defense. Dallas is best in the passing game. San Francisco is best in the running game. You know, somebody said uh, that the, the Saints will thump you. The Saints, uh, so the Saints, when it comes to the run game, the Saints are in the bottom third. They're given 100, 129.1 yards per game. And in the passing game, uh, they're better. They're giving up under 200 yards per game, 197, which puts them, I think, about seventh in the National Football League. And total yards per game, San Francisco is only giving up 280 yards per game. Uh, when you look at the Saints, they're uh, they're top fifteen, but the best defense at points per game all around. San Francisco, Dallas number two, Buffalo number three, Denver, New York, the Jets, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, New England, Philadelphia, all very even even to a certain extent the Washington Commanders, all very fundamentally sound teams, winning in the trenches. Go ahead, Ben. It's because Philadelphia brings in former Wisconsin players. Uh, they're bringing in anybody and everybody. They're bringing in Dominican Sue and JPP, and, or, or uh, not JPP, but uh, oh god, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But they're bringing in everybody. Linval because Joseph. They, they, you know, Linval Joseph. Thank you very much. But they they were not great in the trenches, and now they're getting steadily better. And Dominican Sue is all about. I mean, he's. I don't know if you read some of the uh, some of the quotes that he had about his legs feeling really fresh, and he can't wait to put a thumping on somebody, and couldn't stand Green Bay, and on and on and on, and he's in it for the ring. And, you know, I mean, just you talk about bringing in some emotion and some energizing emotion. Yeah, you'd, you'd love to have that walking through the door. 877-867-1670. We're going to step out, take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk uh, about uh, Luke Fickle taking over the Badger program. Matt LaFlay, Matt, Matt LaFlay, Matt LaFay, the voice of the Wisconsin Badgers. He is going to join us. That is coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Nothing but faith in nothing. 
to have you back. I know tomorrow they're going to be opening up early Sunset Grill on Pewaukee Lake. If you want to stop out and catch uh, the USA in action, they're also going to be open tonight. Good fish fry going on out there if you want to catch some of the conference championship games as well. Sunset Grill on Pewaukee, uh, Pewaukee Lake out in Lake Country. Good place to go. Uh, joining us now on the hotline, our good friend Matt LePay, the voice of the Wisconsin Badgers. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Good, Billy. How's it going, man? I'm doing well. Uh, I was, uh, you know, it was funny because I was watching the Ohio State-Michigan game and I thought, boy, Luke Fickle would look great uh, taking over for Ryan Day. And the next thing you know, he's on a plane to Wisconsin, which I think is fantastic. Give me your reaction when all of this went down because it seemed like a lot of people were caught off guard on this. Yeah, I think uh, that's what happens when you assume, right? Never assume. They always tell us in this line of work. uh, yeah, look, I, I, it was a, it was a jolt. I, I just thought in my own mind, just conversations I've had with uh, in the time when Paul Christ was let go to now. I, I thought, yeah, you're probably better off keeping it in house. But if you didn't, the first thing that came to mind in, in conversations with friends, you know, former players, people not named Chris McIntosh here, by the way, the first name was was Fickle. And I thought, hmm, that, that that might if you go outside that. That might make sense, but still, when it happened, it was you know it was a jolt. I you know I'm biased. I I think think the world of Jim Leonard, and I think he would have been a perfectly good choice. I, it's just one of those instances where, again, going back to to Chris, he said he was going to make this a national search. The, he had a search firm. They were going to cast mm-hmm. a wide net. So I think people wonder, well, what happened in the course of you know the time when Jim Leonard took over as the interim coach? I think what happened was Luke Fickle happened. And they knew that he was interested, and they, they pursued it, and obviously they came to terms. So initially a jolt, but as the days pass here, you're like, yeah, I, I, I can see where this makes perfect sense. Uh, have you had a chance to talk, uh, sit down and, and do an interview with him yet or talk with him via the Badger podcast? Well, we did. Uh, we talked a little bit backstage, if you will. We had the, the welcoming a ceremony on Monday where we had a, we were in a room with players, staffers, donors, that type of thing. We did a little roundtable with, with Fickle and Chris McIntosh, and uh, Fickle and I had a chance to at least touch base for 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, you know, he comes off look very, very cordial, looks you in the eye, just watching him interact with, with a lot of the donors. You know, he's very engaged. It's interesting, Bill. I, I would guess that you did the same, but I, I, I called some old friends back in Ohio, both from Ohio mm-hmm. State and some people I know connected with the University of Cincinnati. And I, I still haven't heard anything bad about this guy. Right. Uh, and what was really, and what was really interesting to me is that Monday, after the, after our deal with with Mac and, and with Fickle, and then after those two guys did the, the news conference, there was a reception. Uh, still at the stadium, and uh, I was talking to a couple former players, and one in particular said, you know, he was talking to one of his buddies, another former player, who was just getting to know Fickle a little bit and just you know, introducing himself to him, and he walked away saying, you know what, when you talk to this guy, you feel like you're talking to one of us, us meaning former Badgers, because the way that right. they, they view the game and you know, just the engaging nature, so... Uh, I took that as a, a pretty good sign when you hear it from a from an alum of the program saying that about somebody coming in from the outside. Uh, you know, he's undefeated right now. I get it. There's the excitement, but that was a pretty comforting thing to hear. 
Uh, like you, I made some calls. I had a couple of friends. One of them I had on the air, but I, I had talked to them about why, because he had, he was so staunch in his support of Cincinnati. We all know, look, it's a, it's a smaller program and such, but he was so staunch in staying there. He had turned down other jobs, kind of looked away, wanted to re- really build the program. And he said, maybe he'd leave for the right job. What do you get the sense Wisconsin being the right job? Was it just the timing or was it that, no, this is something that he targeted? Yeah, I I think timing is a part of it, certainly, with Cincinnati not playing in its conference championship game this year. And last year, you seem to make it pretty clear when the overtures were coming from some big-name programs that he was going to be locked into his team until the season was over, which, as we know, in the case last year, was in in the national semifinal game. It, it, it seemed to me, uh, Bill, talking to him briefly and hearing him in other settings, that he and, and, and Chris are just aligned. They're just, they seem to be lockstep in, into what makes Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and what at its best has made it a very successful program. The way they view the game is still, as much as the game might be changing in some ways, it's still about toughness and, you know, physicality and all of that. And, and he said he admired it. You know, from afar, I mean, having played against some pretty good Wisconsin teams in, in Fickle's time at Wisconsin in the 90s, he just had, he had a real respect for, for how the Badgers played when, they, when they're at their best. So I think timing certainly is a part of it, but it, it seems genuine when he says he just he admired this program. And, and look, what, another thing that's interesting to me, Bill, with, with this Wisconsin job right now, is that think back when Brett left, Brett Bielema left, after the Big Ten championship game against Nebraska, December of 2012, it, it took a while for, for Barry to find a guy to come in and, and be the next coach. Other guys you know, said thanks, no thanks, or just, you know, it didn't work out. This just on the appearance looks to be a more attractive job now than it was 10 years ago. Now, you're getting paid more. That doesn't hurt. You can pay mm-hmm. considerably more. But I find that interesting because 10 years ago, they were coming off back-to-back-to-back Big Ten championships. But right now, this this is a more attract, this seems to be a more attractive gig, at least for one very prominent candidate, the guy who they ended up hiring. Uh, I find that interesting. How sensitive a topic is right now the Jim Leonard situation? Because I get the sense there's some Badger fans that said, well, we'll figure out if we like Fickle or not by how he treats Jim Leonard. I, I, I don't know if it's anything about treating Jim Leonard a certain way. It's He's given him respect. He's given him the, the position to kind of say, do you want to stay or not? Can you do this or not? I think it's pretty much up to Jim Leonard at this point, right? Yeah, it, it seems to be, Bill. I think it, it's still... I, you know, not being privy to to their conversations, it has to be, you know, it has to be a mutually beneficial situation, right? I mean, it, you're not going to pickle isn't going to bring Jim in just to be a nice guy. Jim isn't going to stay just to be a nice guy. I mean, it has to be something that that is workable for both. I, I again, I go back to my bias. I, I think you know, Jim is he is a proven college coach. You know, his work as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, we can say as a head coach unproven, he's, he's coached seven games as a head coach, but his work as a as a coordinator, his player relationships and all of that, uh, I think he could be a priceless part of this staff if this is what he chooses. Um, and it's always, we always try to 
read the mind of somebody here. You know, if you're Jim, obviously you have stuff to process. It's, it, of course, you're going to be disappointed. You know, he had said repeatedly that he would like, he really wants to be the guy to, to be the head coach moving forward. But he's also, you know, he is a big boy. He was, you know, a walk-on here, an undrafted free agent. He's had to scratch and claw for everything in his football career, and it's worked very well for him. But I, I think he loves it here. That's no secret. He and his family love it in Madison. But he's also, I think, smart enough to know, okay, there is that. But what's the, what is best for me right now and, and my family right now? And if it's Wisconsin, that's great. Um, long answer uh, telling you I don't know how this is going to end. Some people are suggesting that no news is good news. I just view it no news is no news with, right. with where they are and what's going to happen with Jim moving forward. Uh, I, I want to ask about Fickle in the sense of, uh, you know, obviously a defensive-minded guy. The offense struggled this year mightily. Uh, the recruiting side of things he's extremely good at. It, does he have a list of targets, or is it just we're going to take the shotgun approach and basically buckshot it all over the place, try to get just the, the overall best players here that we possibly can? Well, he's talked about this 300-mile radius, so that, that's been his philosophy um, and how he would view it here at Wisconsin. Um, and, it, you know, I guess we'll all find out together uh, how this works moving forward. And I don't know enough about the University of Cincinnati to know how that differs there, if it, you know, the academics and everything else that's involved at that school as opposed to, to Wisconsin. But it just seems like his philosophy is is similar to what has existed here i keep thinking of you know barry's time you know you get you get what you can reasonably close to home but if you've got to go to the you know if it's the east coast or wherever then you can you can do that too i mean wisconsin obviously in jersey did really well they've had stretches of time where they did they've done well in florida so on and so forth but i, I think i think with that one bill anything I would say would be a guess because I, I think he'll be in over the course of these next several weeks, months, even he'll be getting a lay of the land as, as to how things work at Wisconsin. But it does seem generally thinking, generally speaking, I should say that, that his philosophy lines up with some of what has worked really well for this program with Barry and obviously with Brett, uh, et cetera, over the course of time here in the last 30 years. Real quick before I let you go, Matt, I got to ask you: big game coming up uh, tomorrow uh, at the Pfizer Forum. Obviously, uh, Badger basketball it wasn't a lot of expectation coming into the season, but there's certainly a lot of excitement thus far, right? Yeah, it really has. They've had a lot of close games. Uh, you know, won a couple of them, dropped a couple of them, including uh, on Tuesday night against Wake Forest. I think tomorrow is going to be fascinating, just from you know a basketball junkie standpoint. The way Marquette plays, likes to scramble you up. It looks like. Shaka Smart has this havoc, you know, that, that, that the brand that they, they put on, how they play when he was at, at VCU. It looks like they've got that back, the way they were able to scramble up Baylor on Tuesday night. You think of Wisconsin as more of a, quote, ball control offense, and, you know, we'll see if they can protect it and, and not turn it over and not get easy baskets for, for Marquette. So you do have that contrasting styles. Um, they have shot it better these last couple of games, uh, Chucky Hepburn in particular, but you know, this is, it's always fun, right? I mean, over there, everybody knows how much Marquette fans love Wisconsin and vice versa. So it's, it's one of those fun non-conference games. 
that brings the casual fan in. I, I think it's, it's good to build both programs. They, they get ready for the Big East and Big Ten. But I think college basketball, and Greg Gard has talked about this, college basketball has to do a better job of promoting its own product in the early portion of the season. And this is the kind of game that he's talking about where if you might not care a ton in December, you're going to care tomorrow, and that's why it's fun. Great stuff as always, Matt. Uh, appreciate your time, buddy. Look forward to tomorrow, and we'll talk soon, okay? Bye, right, Bill. Take care, man. Thanks, bud. There you go. That's our uh, Matt LePay. Good stuff from him. Matt's always a great guy to talk to. Always always informative, always gives you the lowdown, and gives you enough to go, oh, okay. There you go. I got it. Uh, I know there's a ton of optimism for Luke Fickle. A ton. Uh, I've got friends in Cincinnati that uh, t- still to this day that text me and say, man, you got a good one. We're so so kind of depressed that he ended up leaving. They, they really uh, were, I want to say, kind of, I don't want to say bamboozled, but they really believed he was going to stay, and they really felt that they had locked onto something for a long period of time. And on one hand, they hate that he's gone. On the other hand, they're like, man. Wish him nothing but the best. We got a lot of, all of a sudden, Wisconsin fans that are coming out of the greater Cincinnati area, out of that Queen City, and uh, people that say, look, you you really, really, really got a good one. So hopefully it all pans out, and it will all start relatively soon for uh, Wisconsin. We're going to step out. Go ahead, Ben. I am very excited, Bill. You mentioned the Marquette game quickly. It's the annual Marquette fans become Marquette fans again after rooting for the Badgers in March, game of the year. There you go. Coming up tomorrow. Okay. Old, so we, old, so you old got, little you, brother you, syndrome. You, you have conference football coming up tonight, USC, obviously. So you got that. Then tomorrow you get into the conference championships. You got Marquette and Wisconsin college basketball. Tonight you also have the return of Chris Middleton as the Lakers come to town. So the Lakers are at the Fiserv Forum coming up tonight. So you got the Lakers and the Bucks this evening. You've got uh, conference football tonight, conference football tomorrow, Badgers in Marquette, and then NFL, Packers and Bears and the rivalry coming up on Sunday. It's a hell of a weekend, isn't it? In the grand scheme of things, oh, my God. This is must-see TV and destinational viewing for sure. This is a great weekend. Maybe Marquette will, you know, win their Super Bowl this weekend and then be irrelevant in March again. Oh, there you go. Ben Kenny with a quick kick to the crotch to the Golden Eagles. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. More after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. It's the Packers and the Bears. Sunday at noon at Soldier Field. The forecast calls for mostly sunny skies and a high of 40 degrees. On offense, Packers wide receiver Christian Watson named the NFC Rookie of the Month for his six touchdowns in just three games, starting with that 58-yarder against the Cowboys. It, was, it definitely was kind of that fire starter for me um, in terms of just getting that confidence back and um, obviously, you know, just be able to go out there and you know, show myself and, and show everybody, you know, what I can what I can be. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur on hearing Watson had won the award. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, he's got a tremendous work ethic. He's got a tremendous approach. So I expect him to continue to get better and better and better. In Chicago, Bears quarterback Justin Fields returned to practice after missing last week with a left shoulder injury. Fields says he wants to test things out before Sunday. I just want to make sure I can do everything that I need, that I need to do to play a game. So... 
I'll know in practice. Now, the Packers have won the last seven games against the Bears. Last year in Chicago, Aaron Rodgers yelled, I own you, to Bears fans in the stands. Earlier this season, in September, the Pack beat the Bears 27-10 in Green Bay. Bears defense lineman Justin Jones was asked if he was surprised Aaron Rodgers is expected to play this Sunday despite his injuries. Are you excited that you're going to be playing Rodgers instead of Jordan Love? For sure. I'm, I'm, I, want him, I want him to be out there. I feel, I, feel, I feel like you can't play this game against Green Bay and not have a type of anger. You just got to remember what it was. Was like you taking that L back in uh, Lambeau Field. You got to remember that what that feeling was when we walking off the field, going into our locker room, what the fans are saying and chanting and laughing at us. But he's walking in. You, you got to remember that. I don't forget. That's Bears defensive lineman Justin Jones in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. For joining us, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at San Giorgio. Some of the best uh, best pizza you're ever going to get. The authentic Napolitana Pizzeria, downtown Milwaukee. If you're going to head down there tonight, before or after the Bucks game, uh, Car- Calderon Club right next door. San Giorgio, Calderon Club. Uh, you got uh, the Marquette game tomorrow downtown. You're going to have Admirals Contest downtown. So uh, if you're heading downtown for anything, for that matter, uh, if you haven't done it yet, uh, by all means, uh, go ahead and stop by either Calderon Club, San Giorgio, any one of those fine, fine places, and uh, and and tell them we sent you because there's just good people over there. They pair up uh, a lot of the dishes uh, that we like, that I like, uh, with Cider Boys from uh, Point Brewing and uh, really good ciders. So if you uh, go in there, tell them, hey, I, I want the Bill Michaels, and they'll know exactly what it is you want. Either place and pair it up with Cider Boys, you're good to go. That's our friends at San Giorgio and over at Calderon Club downtown. Old World 3rd Street, right across the street from the Hyatt Hotel. Coming up after the top of the hour, Joe Barry. You're going to hear from Joe Barry. I know you've been waiting for this. You've been salivating at the mere thought. That's the defense of the Green Bay Packers. That's the thought going into this contest as to what it is they have been, what it is they will be, and the in-depth mind, if you will, of one Joe Barry. Yeah, I forgot. USA Netherlands, too, coming up. Uh, that's going to be more at the, the bars than it is going to be going to, but, yeah, no doubt. Uh, this is from uh, – now, this is from, uh, this is from Ray, and Ray asks, uh, he said, as a Packers fan, should I feel spoiled, lucky, or angry. He said, since 1992, we've had championship quarterback play. We just haven't won the championships. We've been to a total of three. We've won two. And yet everybody says we are spoiled because we have had so many wins, but we are not spoiled by championships. <sighs> I... I, I think there's this sense of every year we've always thought Super Bowl or bust because we've had quarterback play, good quarterback play, Hall of Fame quarterback play. I think that there is a level of expectation not only for a certain amount of wins, but depth in the postseason. It's expected. Is that spoiled? No. When you have a good team, when you have a good quarterback, when you know it's a quarterback-driven league, no, it's expected. It's, it's, I don't think it's being spoiled. I think we've been unbelievably fortunate 
that two guys were chosen by two different general managers to come in and lead this team. They, they, they hit on them. You know, I mean, we, we are, for the most part, short of New England fans, we are the aspiration of many franchises out there. Look how long they've searched for quarterbacks since Elway retired, Marino retired, Steve Young retired. You know, it, it just, you know, Pittsburgh's got a couple of championships, but they've been up and down. They've been above 500 with Mike Tomlin. They've always been there, but the Giants, they were up and down with Eli Manning. They'd win, and then they'd lose, and they'd win another championship, and they'd go back to losing. I think it's a level of expectation because of the level of play of quarterbacks and a certain level of talent, but I don't think I want to use the word spoiled, you know? Uh, Let's do this. You are going to hear from the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Barry. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.